No Sleep Till Belmont is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Islanders' ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals, with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Hey, I'm a hockey player, and I can figure out an app like this. It's that simple. All the shots I've taken to the head, it'll work out for you. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome back to No Sleep Till Belmont, your Islanders podcast from The Athletic. I'm Arthur Staple, your Islanders beat writer from The Athletic, joined as always by my esteemed colleague, Mark Parrish. I couldn't come up with anything other than esteemed. I've probably said that like four times now, but uh, that, but it was the best one I could think of. That's right. That's about as positive as I've ever heard from even <laughs> out in New York. I like that. No. Um, well, it's good to it's good to have you back. Uh, it's good to have everyone listening back. Um We've had a few games last week, and it's uh, nothing but W's for the Islanders. It's seven in a row, uh, a win streak that's the longest one in Islanders history since 89-90, which is actually well before Mark Parrish was an Islander, which is a time that some people who are Islander fans can't remember back beyond. But um, uh, just overall, what do you think of what they've been doing? It, they've stuck to the process. I, I love that their commitment to just playing the full team game. And, uh, you know, they were sneaking some out with three, two and one goal games, which is good because you need to learn how to win those games, especially there's going to be a lot of them coming down the home stretch and into the playoffs. Uh, but the thing is, is now they're scoring goals, but they're still committed to that D they're still, it's about two goals or less. Uh, their, their systems, coach trots just continues to impress, uh, impress me with how he keeps these guys on task. And, uh, now he's got their, the defense are kicking in goals. They're scoring more goals and it, it looks like they're just having fun, which is probably my most, that's the part I love most. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it is, uh, one thing you can relate to is this is the best 11 game start for an Islander team since 0102 when you guys came out of the gate, super hot that year. And then kind of, you know cruise control into the playoffs but uh it, it is interesting to see them get to that game <clears throat> excuse me that they didn't it took them probably 20 or 22 games last season to get to it and, I, and that makes more sense because it was trots's first year and it was really a, a very uh, a very similar group to what they'd had the year before so they were trying to figure out a lot um but i have to imagine that after like you said a couple of you know a couple of the overtime wins a couple of kind of scrambly wins um the week before these last three all in regulation uh against arizona at home in ottawa and then uh, against philly um they got to their game quick those are the arizona game and the philly game the first two periods of both those games was by far the best that they've played all year and um it wasn't just opportunistic scoring turning pucks over it was it was Casey Sezikis getting in deep on the forecheck and creating chances on that line. It was Anthony Beauvillier, you know, dogs on a bone, I think was the way that Barry put it. And, you know, Beauvillier, <laughs> we'll talk about him some more later. He's a guy who's really seems to have, have taken the step in his game to fit what the Islanders need him to be, which is that second line puck hound, good stick, turning things over, making things happen in the offensive zone. Um, and then you've got Matthew Barzal, who, uh, who is still, you know, 
dazzling people while while controlling the puck and looking for lanes to shoot. Um, it does seem to be that each line uh, has an identity, which considering the injuries that they've had to some of their depth guys is, is, uh, is a really positive development. Well, and, and you just said is, is, is the depth is, is really impressive this year. And uh, the thing that I love about it is a belief uh, the, it was impressive last year, how quickly 20 games for a new coach to come in and instill a system and, and everybody buys in is really incredible. Now the, this step this year is kind of what we expected. We expected them to, come in, you know, looking forward to it with a lot of confidence, thinking, hey, look where we got last year. Let's get to another round. Let's take that next step and be a Stanley Cup contender and not worry about anything else. And uh, I love that there's different guys that are contributing. Like you said, Bovillia is coming in. Uh, there's guys, Barzell's now shooting more. Guys are playing with just a ton of confidence. And it's it's a lot of, it's the, the big thing, the most important thing when a hockey team is it's belief. It's belief that you can go out there and beat any other team out there as long as you stick to your game and play your game. Yeah, and and the value of banking points early in the year is is always immeasurable. You know, I think... It's it's always shocking that you know I think um, I think it was Elliot Friedman, the Sportsnet uh, reporter, who's uh, who's a giant in our industry, who who first came up with the you know the U.S. Thanksgiving that's what they call it up there in Canada. If you're not in a playoff <laughs> spot by Thanksgiving, the chances of you making it are, are you know thirty to forty percent. I think it's changed a little bit um, in recent years, but um, being able to be in a top three spot by November 15th, let's say, or, you know, carrying it over December 15th, you, you know, your chances of, of making the playoffs go up to 70, 75%. It's a huge, huge difference. And, it, you know, it, we always kind of think like, well, what's the, you know, if a team misses by a point or two, you always look back and say, ah, that game we lost in October in, in overtime or a shootout where we didn't get the extra point. That was the one. And we didn't know if that was going to matter, but they all matter in the NHL. And, and especially if you can get out to, the way they've gotten out. So we've had now, I think this might be our third straight episode or, or at least uh, close to it of talking about sticks and lies and blade <laughs> curves, but I wanted to wrap up, wrap it up neatly because I did get a chance to talk to, to Matthew Barzal a little bit in the locker room the other day. Um, I did tell him that Barry Trotz had pretty much told the world that, uh, that Barzi had changed his stick and you had assumed, being the, the scorer that you were, that he, he switched to a higher lie. So I asked him, trying to sound smart, like, higher lie? And he's like, no, lower lie. And I was like, really? Ray Whitten. Um, uh, well, there you go. Maybe maybe if, uh, you know, he's a smaller guy, maybe he felt like he needed to be, you know, get a little more power close, closer to the ice. The thing that, that, that Barzi told me that he changed was the curve on his stick. Okay. He had a very he had a very flat curve, kind of a, a more you know puck control passing style stick that he switched to in junior, um, and this year he's gone to a much uh, a much more of a shooter's curve, not not an Ovechkin level, but uh, but a little bit more, and he's he's definitely whipping pucks on net more, and it hasn't seemed to hurt his puck possession. So um, uh, I'll turn this over to you, stick guru Mark Parrish, and <laughs> you can dissect a what, little bit off. Lower lie, better, stronger curve does for you as a shooter. Well, that's the 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 the, the thing about a 
stick is it's very individual. So whether it's a low lie, whether it's a curve, whatever it may be, the great thing about these companies these days is you can tailor make them exactly how you want them. And there's so much thought process into going in to shoot the puck nowadays. There's the, uh, when I was taught it was shoot the puck as hard as you can. Now it's, you know, make sure you catch the puck, you know, at this point of your blade, uh, two inches behind or inch behind or the slap shot, whatever it may be, it's very individual and unique. Uh, and the curve, uh, absolutely. I had an Ovechkin curve, but I couldn't handle his enormous curve. I had to back it off just a little bit because I needed to be able to catch a pass on my backhand. I just didn't quite have the skill he does to be able to control everything with the curve he has. But that makes sense too. That's 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 the other option. You either go with a little bit more of a toe curve, upshoot, uh, maybe just a little bit of a bigger curve. Uh, there's so many options. Uh, John LeClaire had a god awful looking 60 degree wedge and who knows how he shot with that thing but he did brian rolston had a huge heel curve i would actually love to see a picture of his old pattern and his new pattern and see the difference whether it's a toe marius Tchaikovsky, everybody the islanders are, he had just this this weird kind of fish hook thing right at the end and everything else was flat so it, it all kind of depends on what you find that's comfortable and what you have confidence in and whatever he has done to his curve he's got confidence in and i love that he has got that shoot first mentality right now and i hope he keeps it up yeah i think you know a couple of specific times i think it was once against arizona and once against philly where he was circling the zone and just kind of on his flats and, and everybody, you know, the flyers were trying to chase him around and kind of see what he's going to do. And his line mates were getting the position and he would come around on a strong side on, you know, towards the net. And instead of just looking for a pass, trying to send it back where you might, you might hold it too long and get it turned over, put yourself in a bad position. He threw it on net from a funny angle and I think caught the goalie a little bit off guard um, you know, trying to go for that, like under the bar, you know, by the shoulder type shot with the goalie mm-hmm. who's already sitting in the butt, you know, sitting on the ice. Um, and that's a shot that I think a lot more people are scoring on these days where if you can get it up under that, you know, by the shoulder, it's hard for a guy, you know, if a goalie happens, if he's leaning forward a little bit, he's not covering that, that top corner. So um, it, it's just, it is interesting to see him add some of those things to his game. Um, I'm sure uh, a super skilled guy like him who feels like he accomplished a lot before Barry Trotz got here had a little bit of, why is this guy telling me how to, <laughs> how to produce points? I did pretty well before he got here, but I'm sure ultimately uh, Barry Trotz does seem to know best, not just uh, systems and um, how to keep the puck out of, the, out of his team's net, but also how to get the most out of his players. It's, uh, it's, it's really interesting to watch. Great coaches never let their players uh, get satisfied. Just there's always more. There's you can always push. You can always find another angle, and that's what makes Barry Trotz great. Um, which is a good way to lead into how they're kind of patching things together after those two kind of ugly leg injuries that uh, that Matt Martin and Tom Kunakle suffered in Ottawa. They're both out four to six weeks. Don't want to guess too much, but four to six weeks is a hard timeline. Sounds to me like broken bones um tom kunakal had you know kind of had his leg locked as he went in skates first to the end boards and that didn't look very good matt martin uh just an unlucky you know took a regular hit along the wall and the the door was unlatched on the senator's bench and he went right into the the dasher there a little bit with his leg um he did come back so i can only imagine that uh they something came up on a more detailed mri than did in the x-ray machine in the ottawa building um 
unfortunate. No one to blame on that one. But uh, so they're both out. Jordan Eberle's still out for the for the foreseeable future. Um, Leo Komarov uh, has been beset by a nasty bug of some kind. He's been sick for over a week. Um, so that's, you know, outside of Eberly, those are more role-playing guys. Um, you still need them, and especially the Islanders yeah. still need those guys because yep. their role players are important because they want to be a four-line team. They want to be, you know, even those minutes out, and they really haven't had to get – they haven't gotten to that phase of their game with their forwards because Sezikis missed five games. Now Martin's out. So it's, you know, you do the next man up thing and I and seeing two guys uh on their now fourth line because really Casey uh Clutterbuck and now Michael Del Call is more their third line based on usage. So their fourth line guys uh on Sunday against Philly included Ross Johnston and Cole Bardro. And you can certainly attest I've covered enough teams. Every team has guys like Ross on their team going back to way back when. Um, and every organization has guys like Cole Bardrow, who's 26, uh, played his first NHL game. Um, I guess it was uh, in Columbus when he got, I think we talked about that, where he got the call after <laughs> participating in Bridgeport's morning skate, not even Columbus's morning skate. So he ended up going from Connecticut to LaGuardia to Columbus <laughs> to the ice to his first NHL game. Got a lot of sports. That's right. After 240 AHL games. And now he's still here, and he's going to be here for a little while. He, he's a guy who, um, you know, Barry pointed out, he's not an Oliver Wallstrom. He's not an eighteen or nineteen year old guy who's who's a high, you know, been had a lot of attention paid to him over his career. And I think for the role that the Islanders need him to fill, that's this is the ideal situation. And and you've been. You played in the NHL as a top line guy. You played in the minors. You've you've been everywhere. When you see guys like that get their opportunity, what sort of you know it it gives it gives the rest of the room a boost. When you know even if he's not someone that you know he's new to the organization this year, so it's not like they know him that well. But when when guys see a Cole Bardrow with all he's been through, guy who broke his neck in college in his draft year, had a finger infection so bad he's had seven surgeries and and missed a ton of time in the AHL. When that guy makes his does his solo lap or actually you know plays a game or two, what does it do for the room? You know, as much as uh, we're professionals and and we understand that there comes a point where you are competing against guys for jobs, even in the same room. Uh, there are great stories. There there are guys that just transcend that that everybody is rooting for. Everybody uh, they want to just see him to get his first game. That's what we love about hockey. That's the camaraderie. You want to see guys that put that much effort, that go through that much turmoil, uh, all all that he's been through, and then to get his opportunity and and to play the, as well as he has, and to continue to be that role guy. And, and that's that's a bit of a big part of it too, is especially when it comes to the role guys, um, the skill guys. It's you know, you, you kind of know they're going to get their opportunity, but guys that just got to fight and find a way to, how can I get into the NHL with this lineup? How can I get to the Islanders with my skill set? And that's just something that you just can't, uh, it, it's hard to put into work. It, it's, it, it reminds me, as you were talking, actually, it reminded me of Steve Webb. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, that's the story. Like he, there are those guys that just, you know what, they've laid it out there. They have committed their life. And they can finally just get one opportunity. And and uh, speaking for Webby, he he was he's still pretty surprised. He got a chance to play in the NHL as long <laughs> as he did. He just wanted to play pro hockey. 
as long as he could. If somebody was paying him 400 bucks a week, he didn't care. He got to play pro hockey. And for guys like that to work their way up and get an NHL spot and, and, and play in a, in a regular lineup or a regular shift, I guess, um, that just, it, it makes everybody's heart warm. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, yeah, that's, a, that's about the best way I can put it. It just makes everybody smile. It, the camaraderie, the character, that's what we all aspire to be as hockey players. Some of us get, get a little bit better opportunity. Some of us, you know, are, are more fortunate with our skill or whatever situation we've maybe been put into. But you always love seeing those guys get an opportunity or finally get an opportunity and just get to appreciate what they've been through just to get there and play a few games in the NHL. Yeah, I was, you know, talking to, to Cole a little bit, um, you know, the day that they the, all the injuries uh, were announced earlier, uh, I think it was uh, Sunday, um, you know, he, he said his mom had come down um, from upstate New York and spent the weekend in New York with him and uh, and kind of they had talked about, you know, like I said, he's he's had all these pretty serious injuries had a knee injury in there too. And, and he's probably averaged maybe 40 or 45 AHL games a year. The, the five previous years he was pro in the, in the Flyers organization and never, never really got a chance to get called up. Never was in a position to get called up because of all those injuries. And as he put it, you know, them talking, it felt like the cards were always, you know, something was always in his way and it was nobody's fault, but, uh, but whenever the opportunity seemed to come up, it just wasn't his time. And now, you know, it, to, for him to get that call from from Bridgeport, you know Tanner Fritz was probably the guy who's next up on the list. He was out with an injury. He's still out. Um, you know it, they needed a center. Otto Koivula, who's a young prospect that may have been higher on the food chain in the organization, uh, also injured. So you need a guy who's a hundred percent. Well, he's ready. He's he may have been seventh or eighth on the depth chart, but all of a sudden. Komarov gets sick in the morning and these two guys are out and it said we need a guy right now and here he is and it's that's his first game and he does enough and some other things you don't want to see people get hurt it's more regulars but but you, ha- you never you know, want to see people get hurt but that's sure it's just, that's but part it's part of the game it's part of the game and also it's part of the game like you said there's a there's a competitive feeling among these guys you want to be the guy that gets called up and you want to be the guy that stays and uh, and when you're 26 I think for him playing eight or nine minutes a night um, you know, he, he's prepared for that role. Oliver Wallstrom was playing on his line and that's probably not the right spot for Oliver Wallstrom at 19. Um, so I'm curious to see, you know, if, if even when Leo Komarov comes back, whether they decide it's better for Wallstrom to be play, back playing 20 minutes a night in Bridgeport and keep that nine minute a night fourth line to guys that are more suited for that role. Um, but uh, but for Cole Bardrow, it's it's right place, right time, and it's the first time that's ever happened for him in, in a long time in hockey. So yeah, it's it's an easy story to root for. Um, and we can talk a little bit about Ross Johnston, who um, like a lot of enforcers, and we you know there aren't that many true enforcers left in the game. You have to be able to play a little bit now yep. too. Yeah, um, he's a guy who. Uh, was not even close to being a pro player when they signed him out of the out of the Quebec League. He's a, he's a guy from from Prince Edward Island. He's from a from a dairy farm in Prince Edward Island. He's just a big kid who was you know tossing people aside uh, left and right in the in junior, and then did it in the minors and kind of worked his way up. Uh, and now he's a player. You know, he's 25 years old and he can skate enough and and play 14 or 15 shifts a night he scored a goal he's got five goals in his career now in 46 nhl games that's that's a decent pace for a guy who plays six or seven minutes a night and and then he you add in the you know chris stewart wants to go around knocking some heads when the flyers are down on sunday 
well, Ross Johnson's going to go out there and make you earn it. And uh, not too many people beat Ross Johnson in a fight. So uh, <laughs> similar to, to Cole Barjo, but a guy who I think a lot of Islander players uh, up and down the organization have have played with for a long time and been friends with for a long time. He's a guy who who shows up with a smile on his face, whether he's playing or not playing. And he did not play a lot last year. And, and I think that too made an impression on Barry that here's a guy who is, you know, he's got a contract. It was a four-year deal for a million a year, which was kind of a surprise one way that, that, that uh, Lou signed him to last summer. But, um, but you know, you, I guess you could say you, you don't always earn it by playing 19 minutes a night and, and scoring yeah. a point a game. No, not at all. And uh, it's one, it's obviously his character uh, being able to, I've been that extra guy uh, in Dallas. Um, hey, look, you know, we, we're going to sign you, yeah, but we, we're going to have you. And if we're playing a little bit of a skilled team, if it's a little bit tougher team, we're going to call on this other guy named Landon Wilson because he's just bigger and stronger <laughs> and more suited for that game. And you have to be able to accept that. Uh, it, it's a shot to your pride. It, it is. Nobody wants to be that extra guy, but at the same time, for me, it was, okay, I can still sneak a few more games out in the NHL. Perfect. I, you know, and I was fine with that as well as being an older guy, uh, being a little bit more of a mentor. Uh, I, I really enjoyed doing that. Uh, but the other thing to go back to with his, with his toughness, being a tough guy is his uh, not being satisfied with just being a tough guy. Obviously that contract he got from Lou is not just because he could fight. It was because he could keep up with the game. He could play, he could maybe chip in here and there. He wasn't, if the puck came to him, he wasn't a liability like, Oh, good Lord, what's going to happen now? (laughs) He can still get the job done and do whatever simple thing or whatever coach trots wants him to get done in the situation or whether it's maybe, Hey, he gets an opportunity and puck goes in the back of the net. Awesome. So it's, Yes, it, obviously, you look at those guys, the the big boys. He's he's definitely a heavyweight in today's game, that's for sure. Uh, but he's been able to evolve to not only just play, but keep up with a very fast game to where he's not that liability. So there's his character, uh, there's his work ethic. There's so many things that go into why he's here. And, and obviously, he's a great guy in the locker room that guys just love. And again, he's the He's the Steve Webb. He's the Eric Cairns where he scores a goal. The whole bench just goes crazy. <laughs> like he, he, he brings that kind of, uh, he's a glue guy. He brings everybody together no matter what he does on the ice. Yeah. And, and, you know, we talk about these guys, um, you know, as they go forward, if, if it's going to be Bardrow and Johnson in the lineup, they're going to be six and seven minute night guys. This is this team as, as far as the forward group goes for the, for the short term with, with Martin out and Everly out are going to look like a lot of other teams um, where their top six guys are going to play a lot more. I'd written something off of the game on Sunday. Barzell's up uh, about three minutes uh, per game at five on five from last year to this year. Anthony Bovillier is up about two minutes. Anders Lee is up about three minutes because he's playing with Barzell. Um, Brock Nelson's up about a minute. So the burden is going to fall on those guys. And it's not like those guys are, you know, it's it's not the Russian five. It's, it's not like super skilled guys and then a bunch of pluggers that that are missing their time. But it's 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 the four line mentality. It's the Islander hockey mentality that that Barry talks about a lot. That we you know we can put anybody out against anybody and it's going to work out fine for us because we everybody has the same mentality. Now you still have the same mentality, but you've got your more skilled guys out there. And I think uh, the benefit to that is you have Matthew Barzal on the ice more, which is a good thing. And that second line, at least in the last few, 
with Beauvillier, with Nelson, and Nelson has had a great October again with 10 points. He leads the team. And Derek Broussard, who has finally showed up after a kind of a rocky first few games. He's had goals in each of these last three wins. Uh, playing on the wing instead of it in the middle. But I think it was a way, another another smart move by Barry to just sort of feel like this guy's been on the third line. We've kind of cycled through a lot of third line wingers and maybe giving him some responsibilities that he's not accustomed to over a long career of being more of an offensive guy. So move him to the wing with two very reliable two-way guys. Get him into the mix a little bit more. Get him on the ice more. And boom, another another genius move by the coach. Yeah, uh, you know, and and uh, these are the moments with with the injuries and and all these the, the the shuffling the lineup, shuffling the lines. This is where head coaches earn their paycheck. These are tough times for Barry because you know where you know he wants to with guys out. He, he your 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 tendency is to just play Barzell more, play Lee more, and yes, you have to uh, with with what with the depleted lineup with the guys that are out right now for the Islanders, but at the same time. What is too much for them? And, well, where can I give somebody some confidence? How do we get Broussard going? He, he knows his game. He's been watching him for years. He knows exactly what he can do. Well, hey, let's put him in this position, and this might just work out. I mean, there, there is a bit of a, you know, there's a little bit of a roll of the dice in, in, in a few of the decisions here and there. But there's something that he saw, obviously, getting him to the wing, getting him off that responsibility. Uh, I mean, uh, my favorite year was playing with my years were playing with Peck and Bates because I had n- if, if if I was down low in the D zone, one of those two guys messed up, <laughs> and it took a lot of pressure off me. And all of a sudden, I could, I had a great year offensively because I couldn't worry. I didn't have to worry about that. Well, maybe we in that decision was all right. Let's take a little pressure off him. You know, he doesn't have to take it. You know, you still got another centerman to jump in there to take a draw, but then right away you go to the wing where it's just a little easier to play defensively. All those things go to and go into account, and again, uh, Barry just continues to impress us as a head coach, and I mean all of us in the NHL. He he just uh, you, you can, he continues to make decisions and make moves and play guys the amount that the right amount. Uh, even last year, how, how you want to go back to that where Barzal was struggling a little bit and he was frustrated with his minutes. Well, now look how he's developed as a player as a whole not just defensively, but as a whole, now all of a sudden he's a more of a shoot first goal scorer. Uh, it, it, it's, it just goes into the fact that Barry is a spectacular coach. He really is. And, and he continues to prove it over and over and over. Before we get on with the show, I just want to talk about one thing. Let's say you're home, you got your Islanders PJs on, your vintage Mark Parrish jersey, and you're ready to watch a game. But you don't feel like going out, you're sick of microwave leftovers and frozen pizza. Enter DoorDash, restaurant-quality food with a living room dress code. Ordering is so easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code BELMONT. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code BELMONT. Don't forget, that's promo code BELMONT for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Yeah, and it, and that leads us into uh, the next phase of our discussion, which is on defense. And um, you know, Noah Dobson still pretty much uh, the seventh defenseman. He's only played three games so far, the first eleven. And normally that would be cause for alarm and and hair on fire and the the you know whatever Twitter gif of pitchforks and and torches that could be thrown at me. Um, but it's hard to argue with what some of the other guys are doing, and namely. Uh, Nick Letty and Johnny Boychuk, who 
have been a pair now for this is their sixth Islander season. They were kind of thrown together because they Garth Snow traded for both of them within about an hour of one another. I remember um, (laughs) sitting in the old media room at the Coliseum. (laughs) This was just a practice before, you know, the week of uh, the season opener. And there were some plenty of rumors flying around. Um, So I, you know, texted Garth and said, you got a trade, you know, trade coming. And then I saw one of the national guys saying, sounds like the Islanders have gotten uh, Nick Letty. And I was like, oh, that's, and I texted him and I was like, oh, that's big. And all I got was, hang on a second. Typical, (laughs) typical Garth. And I'm just like, what? I'm like, what? What? And I'm sorry, like tweet, whatever the trade, the Letty trade was, which was a total, you know, salary, you know, salary cap dump by the Hawks. And they they got almost nothing back. Um, And then an hour later, Johnny Boychuk for a couple of second round picks from the Bruins. And I'm like, it was uh, it was one of the many classic Garth moments. Um, Surprised you didn't it. say "hold my beer." Actually, to be honest with you, uh, <laughs> he was in the office. I suppose uh, he was working. <laughs> um, but yeah, since that since that week uh, when they basically added their top pair D back in fourteen fifteen and had you know arguably metrics wise and on the ice wise one of their better seasons uh, in the last thirty years, um, those two guys have been a pair and now. You know, Johnny's going to be 36 this year. Uh, Letty's 28, still a young guy, but the you know those are the, they're the two oldest guys on this uh, on this decor. And I you know I had mentioned it plenty of times in the off season that um, with the emergence of Devon Taves, who does a lot of what Nick Letty does, and and the coming of Noah Dobson soon enough, that maybe it was time to consider a Nick Letty trade to free up some cap space or add a, a, a top nine winger uh, at a spot where they were a little bit thin. Um, they did not do that, uh, even though from what I understand, there was some some trade talk last season. Um, and Johnny Boychuk seemed to be the guy that was going to rotate in and out with Noah Dobson when the season started. Uh, they split the first couple of games, I think. Uh, but really, ever since then, that pair uh, has been pretty darn good. Not, I mean, you know, Nick Letty's game in Ottawa, where he he was uh, a deflected puck away from a natural hat trick in the middle of that one, including a penalty shot, which you hardly ever see from a defenseman. Um, that was a that was a dominating performance from a guy who who has shown that at times over the course of his Islander career. Uh, and Boychuk sitting there with six points. I know it's uh, he's not he's not necessarily blasting pucks into the top corner like he always used to, but um, but these guys are, you know, there's a familiarity level there and there's a there's a comfort level there, not just for the two of them, but for their coach. And um, and that aspect, again, we don't want to keep singing Barry's praises, but <laughs> he was pretty adamant that Johnny Boychuk still had a lot to offer, not just as a guy who could be a, a mentor to Noah Dobson or be a veteran presence in the room. And uh, and he was right. And he certainly declared, uh, I think it was to, to Shannon Hogan on MSG in the post game in Ottawa, said, if anybody's ever talking about trading Nick Letty, like you can stop that right now. Because that kind of game that, that Letty put up is the reason why you keep him, because he still has the wheels. And I think, um, you know, we're defending in his own zone, especially a couple of years ago when he was minus 40 something, um, uh, you know. He's he's learned a lot, I think, under under Barry Trotz and under John Gruden, who coaches the D. Um, so yeah, this you know I'm sure you played with with plenty of longtime pairs. I mean, uh, you know, I think Hammerlick and O'Coin were the guys that ate up a ton of minutes. It's yeah. not it's not like that anymore. They've kind of fa- moved into a different phase of their partnership, but but it still must be comforting to the guys that have been here for a long time to see them together and and doing well. 
when you when you talk about uh, it, chemistry, uh, it, it doesn't just it's not just the entire team. It's it's lines. Is is the is your top line? Does do they have that chemistry? Uh, do your D pair have that chemistry? And 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 they. There's certain times where you're kind of, I'm sure Garth kind of made that trade and you're like, oh, good, man, these these guys complement each other really well. It'd be kind of nice to see these guys kind of find that chemistry. And that's what they have. They're just uh, the comfort level. What Johnny does is more of an, you know, I know he's got the big shot and, you know, he kind of chipped in more offensively earlier in his career but he's he's always been that big tough strong reliable defenseman in his core that's kind of been you know where he makes it and for Nick to be able to jump up in Ottawa and I I remember uh, I was speaking with Nick actually after that Ottawa game and I asked him are you sure you're not a forward (laughs) are you sure you can certainly use one at this point I mean your speed and that goal scoring, you know, but anyway, uh, that, that, that just goes to their, their comfort level with their, each other, how well they complement each other and the trust that they have in each other where Nick doesn't even have to hesitate or even Johnny at times, I'm sure there's, there's, there's been multiple times where Johnny can kind of step up and not worry because, well, Nick Letty's got some serious jets. So if I mess up here, he can probably catch that guy behind me anyway. Uh, you hope for that kind of, of chemistry in a team. And then obviously, you know, you, you, you put it under the microscope and, and into a tighter and you, you go, all right, my decor, what pair, who works well together as a, as a forward line, who works well together, you know, and I've, I've actually been asked by coaches before, like, do you guys even like each other? And that's like <laughs> the worst question you can ever be asked as a line, not a team, like just a line. And it's clear that they've got to respect uh, they understand each other. They, they've got an unspoken word on the ice where they can just read each other's body language and, and they, they're not afraid to, to go. It's, it's really impressive. I mean, number three in the NHL, like that's, that's, that's an amazing, that's an amazing D combo that for a, for a pair to be up in the, you know, the Suter and Spurgeons and, and those guys that just consistently every single time they're on the ice together. And, and that just goes to their commitment to each other as well as the team and what Barry Trotz is asking them to do. Yeah, but uh, Mark and I were having this conversation before we started rolling here about uh, I did a little research. Thank you, Natural Statric, for this these numbers and almost every other number that I look up. It's a great website. People should always go to it, naturalstatric.com, for not just fun little metrics like Corsi for per 60 and percentage goal expected goals for and all the things that uh, make Mark's head spin, but things like <laughs> looking up just straight up five on five minutes playing together as a defense pair since the, since Letty and Boychuk came to the Islanders in 2014, 15, they're just over 3,800 minutes together as a pair. That's third most in that span. Mark Edward Vlasic, Justin Braun uh, from the Sharks, Justin Braun's on the Flyers now. So that pair is over with now. They're just under 4,500 minutes and number one on that list, just shy of 5,000 minutes in that six year span is Ryan Suter and Jared Spurgeon, as he noted. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, and it's not always, sometimes that's out of necessity. Sometimes it's habit sometimes you you know they're going through a bad stretch and you just sort of keep rolling with them jack capuano was a big believer in that i think barry trotz is a big believer in that that you that you have guys that do have the chemistry together and they can find it again um and that's not to say that all of their numbers during that time are great but but just the longevity factor of 
being able to pencil two and 55 in together, whether it's whether they're the top pair like they used to be and playing against everybody's top lines or now more second, third pair where they get a little bit you know easier assignments, even though most of them start in the D zone. Um, it is it is amazing in this day and age with the way players change teams, with the way teams change styles and coaches around them that uh, through three different coaches now and two different general managers that they've uh, they've not just stuck together, but now sort of sticking together because both of them are, you know, have kind of moved down the food chain a little bit, and there's some guys pushing to, to get in the lineup. It's um, it's been a bigger challenge for them, and I think they've they've met it so far for sure. It, it's a it's a comfort level. It's it's their character, and and again, it's their commitment to their team. Bottom line, they they they, they care about how they win. Or they care about if they win, not how they win. They don't care about minutes. They don't care about that. They are just going to be what the coach, what what Coach Trotz wants them to be, and they're going to be their best at it. And the the best part from my perspective is that they're the two, probably the two most polar opposite personalities in that room where Johnny is uh, 36 going on about 11 with his level of humor and just sort of, you know, in, in general maturity. Um, and Nick is the quietest guy I've <laughs> one of the five or six I mean you Mark know him very well from back home but he is a low-key guy I mean even after yeah. I wasn't up in Ottawa but seeing the interviews after a game where he had a penalty shot goal and almost had a hat trick he was as uh, as unassuming and quiet and you know kind of like you know I was watching on the TV it's like Nick could you could you please speak into the mic I mean we can't even hear you <laughs> So, yep. It it's um it must be it must be a funny partnership and I've talked to both of them over the years many times about playing together and and you know, they're not they're not terribly uh terribly interested in delving into the reasons why it works. They're just happy it does work. That's uh that sounds exactly uh like us lucky sevens. We didn't really <laughs> want to dive into it mainly cuz I'd be embarrassed cuz I got to just cheat and go offense all the time and Peck and Bates had to do all the other work and find me in front of the net, but no, it's, uh, that's, that's, you don't really want to, as a player going into it, you, uh, don't let them fool you. Don't let them fool you. They, they, they do. They do. Uh, it, it comes up. Uh, there's plenty of conversation, whether they're skating off the ice or sitting on the bench or during practice and, uh, about just, Hey, all right. So if you got this, I got that, uh, you know, little ins and outs and whatnot. And they, they understand it. But, uh, the big thing is, is that that goes into their character. That's that's humility. Uh, and they don't really want to talk about it because they're kind of maybe a little bit just loving where they're at and maybe a little bit surprised. And they don't want to mess with that. Like, let's just go. This is how we're going. Let's get on to the next game, on to the next game. Short memory, whether it's good or bad in pro sports is perfect. And that's that's kind of what that's telling me. So for our last uh, our last segment, we'll talk about probably your favorite aspect of playing hockey, which was power plays. Um, mm. The Islanders have not had many of them. And uh, just to put the numbers out as of right now, which is Tuesday, the Islanders have had 18 power plays in 11 games. Uh, that's the fewest in the league. Next fewest is their next opponent, the Lightning, who come in on Friday. They've had 29 <laughs> in fewer <laughs> games. Jeez. Uh, so it's been pretty stark, and 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 Barry um, is is a very big believer in don't criticize the refs, don't say anything. He's been barking a little bit, and I think, you know, he kind of I was joking with him after the, what happened in the Ottawa game, where um, they clearly felt like after the Kunakal injury and the Martin injury, they definitely felt like Ottawa was trying to pull some of their forwards out. Clutterbuck 
you know, was barking at the Ottawa bench and, and Mark Borowiecki kind of goaded him into a, a wrestling match and inexplicably Clutterbuck ended up with a misconduct in the second, you know, so he was out for 12 minutes and then Brady Kachuk just started throwing punches at Casey Sezikis and somehow that turned into yeah. a matching five and five. Yeah. Um, so the Islanders have kind of circled uh, next Tuesday's visit from the Senators to Barclays Center as, uh, oh, hey, remember that time when we played 11 forwards and you tried to get us down to about three in that game? We'll remember. Um, but uh, even at that, they only had a couple power plays and they only had a couple against the Flyers. And it's uh, it's definitely wearing on some people in that locker room. And I would imagine guys like Matthew Barzal, who still has nine points and five goals, but, you know, you get out on the power play, you know, I, I talking to Derek Broussard when he finally scored his first against Arizona didn't know it was going to be the first of three straight games where he would score but he you know he admitted like you know he's like our unit hasn't even gotten on the ice like we've had one power play and the other unit scored on it in a couple of the games so we didn't even get out there and that's how you get your juices flowing as an as a more offensive player you just get that extra ice time where you're all offense and then it, it you know it feeds your legs a little bit when you're at five on five so it um it's not just a man. We could use more power plays because we'd like to score more goals. It's it's a lot about certain guys and their mentalities too. I would imagine. Oh, one hundred percent. There would be uh, games where I'd be wiped out, dead, just almost. And don't want to admit this, but like, just almost didn't even feel like getting on the ice. Like, geez, just don't coach play me. I feel awful tonight. <laughs> I don't want to cost anything. All of a sudden, uh, O'Coin would take a shot, would go off my hip and in. And holy cow, I was like the fastest guy in the ice after that. So th- that does matter. But but at the same time, you're going to go through stretches like this. Uh, I, I like it, it, it can get old when you're playing for a coach that is constantly screaming at the refs, like just yeah. constantly begging. Uh, and begging might not be the right word, but whatever it might be. Uh, you're just like, hey, like, let, let can you just like worry about us on the bench here and we can kind of move on. Uh, but at the same time, I like the way Barry's playing. You can't. You can't criticize the refs they're they're human too they're they're, you're just gonna go through stretches where it just it seems like all the calls are going the other way uh you know we're not even to game 20 yet so you know like the this is the 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 most important thing is uh for me is are are they is this like retaliation things so like when kachuk's punching like are they punching back like there's some discipline things where you just gotta and it's hard it is hard to uh, take a punch from somebody and skate away. It, it, it's just hard, especially if there's two or three or four like that come in after it. But that being said, you've you've got to, they've got to find a way to create opportunities in the offensive zone. Force the other team then to take penalties. Uh, they're playing great, and I know this is completely micromanaging and nitpicking because they're winning, so it doesn't really matter all that much. But there is ways to create. Power plays in the ozone. You get down and you work them down low below the goal line. You get to that puck first. You force the defensive teams to chase. It's amazing how many little hooks and how many little slashes and uh, and what what will finally get called. But that being said, you you could be doing all of that right and perfectly. And sometimes refs just you just don't seem to get the calls right now. And that that's to me is watching their games. That's kind of what they're going through. Uh, it, it, they've they've got to do their best to just take the punch and skate away. Sometimes, sorry, this is a man's game in the NHL, and you just can't. Like, sorry, I don't I don't blame anyone for ever. Hey, he punched me in the face. I'm going to punch him back. I, I don't blame him for that. But you've got to get to a point where in the playoffs you can't. 
you got to take that punch. So uh, this is maybe good practice, good, uh, good lesson in discipline moving forward for the Islanders to where they just got to, uh, you know, unfortunately, they got to just take it on the chin right now. And they, they're, they're going to take punches. They're going to they're not getting the calls. But eventually the tide will turn. They keep playing the right way. If you just continue to play the right way, stay as disciplined as possible, the tide will turn. The refs will figure it out eventually. Uh, you know, it's uh, probably not the best. Uh, I don't think a lot of fans are going to like to hear that. But that, honestly, that's it's just the way it is. The refs are human, too. It's very parental advice. I like it. Um, and frankly, the fact that they're five for 18 this year, which is uh, almost 28%, um, considering how bad they were on the power play last year, they really haven't had a chance to, to show, you know, what new assistant oh. coach Jim Hiller has, has brought to their, their yeah. structure. They're, they're a real one, three, one. Now they've got, you know, each of their units has a, has a guy in the bumper spot. I think it's Beauvillier most of the time on the one unit that's really succeeding. It's Nick Letty on the other yeah. one. And we have, you know, that one with Letty and Pollock doesn't get a lot of time. And I'm curious to see what they can do with, with Letty distributing from that spot and Broussard on the wing. And um, yeah, there's, there's some things they haven't gotten to yet. And I guess, I guess the best thing you can say is when you've won seven in a row and you still haven't really shown a, a pretty large aspect of what you can do, uh, that's got to be good news. I, uh, yeah, and I and I and I totally get, especially when you that second unit where you're like, did we even get a chance to <laughs> go out? I, I I totally understand that frustration. I've been there. I get that, but you just got to stick with it because in in the worst part for those guys is that you can practice it all game long or all all day long, like with your own team. They're, they've kind of got to play dumb anyway because you know what you're trying to do against them, so it's kind of building your confidence. You don't really form as a unit you don't really find that confidence until you start to get into a game and and realize what works with certain teams and what what plays and you know what kind of power play you know where you're gonna have to make more just shooting or can we find some seams against you know whoever it may be so it can be really 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 frustrating so this it's it's another test for the coaches to keep those guys you know sharp keep them involved because it's hard when you're a power play guy and you're not getting a chance to go on the power play. Yeah. Well, uh, as always, this has been a fun one. We've got uh, just two games before we get back with you next week uh, on our on our uh, No Sleep Till Bum on episode that's available to everybody. They've got uh, the Lightning coming to the Coliseum on Friday and then straight up to Buffalo on Saturday for another chance for Barry Trotz and his Islanders to work some back-to-back magic. I think they're now 13-1-1 one, and one, uh, since Trotz got here on the second <laughs> half of back-to-backs, which is pretty amazing. Um, it's pretty amazing. And yeah. see if they can keep that, yeah, keep that win streak going. So, uh, thank you, my friend. As always, uh, we'll catch up again in a couple of days. We'll be recording our subscriber-only podcast of No Sleep Till Belmont just for athletic subscribers. You should subscribe and get a listen because we have some good stuff to chop up uh, when we get together again. So, thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you all again soon. Thank you. Looking forward to it.